When I was a pastor in Minnesota, I was introduced to the fictional characters of Oli and Lena, who were the source of many stories about life in Minnesota. There's a lot of those stories I don't remember, but this one I do. Oli and Lena had the tradition of going to the Minnesota State Fair every year. And this one particular year when they went, Oli saw a sign for open-air airplane rides. This was quite a while ago. He had never been in an airplane before, and he always wanted to take a ride in one of those open-air small airplanes. And the sign there said, only $10. So he said to Lena, let's do this. It's only $10. But Lena's response was, but Oli. $10 is $10, and so no airplane ride. So every year, after, year after year, when they went to the state fair, it was always the same thing. Oli would always see that display advertising airplane rides, and he would always say to Lena that he wanted to go on one of those rides. It was only $10, and her response was always the same, but $10 is $10. Finally, one year, they're at the Minnesota State Fair. Oli had just turned 75, and he said, I'm going to do this. I want us to go on this airplane ride. I'm not getting any younger. I insist. But Lena held her ground. Oli, $10 is $10. Well, the pilot overheard their discussion about this, and he said, i got a compromise for you. I will take both of you up in the airplane for, for free. The only stipulation is you can't say a word. If you utter a word, make a sound, it's $10 for both of you. So they thought about it for a moment and decided, well, they're Norwegians. They don't talk to each other that much anyway. So it sounded like a pretty good deal. So up they go, and immediately the pilot went straight up in the air and, and then did a nosedive, and just before hitting the ground, came back up again, and he flipped that plane upside down several different times, hoping to elicit some kind of response from them. But nothing. Finally, when the airplane ride was over, he's, the pilot's taxiing taxi towards the terminal, and hollers back at Oli, who was in the seat behind him, and said, I can't believe, I thought for sure one of you would holler or scream or say something. And Oli's response was, well, I almost did. And the pilot said, oh, yeah, when? And Oli said, when Lena fell out of the plane. <laughs> but after all, $10 is $10. The point of that story is that Oli and Lena had different perspectives on their money. Lena let the money manage them instead of them managing their money. I think tonight's gospel reading from Luke chapter 7 also talks about two different perspectives two different perspectives on Jesus. Simon the Pharisee has one perspective, but the woman who anoints Jesus 
has a different perspective. First, Simon's perspective. One night, Simon invites Jesus to be a guest at his home. Now, on the surface, that sounds like a rather hospitable gesture. But underneath the surface, Simon and his other guests are hoping to catch Jesus do something by which they could criticize him for, because after all, they've seen him do several things already that are against the pharisaical practices. Like Jesus has healed on a Sabbath. Jesus has eaten with tax collectors and sinners. All of this was completely unacceptable as far as the Pharisees were concerned. So Jesus was invited to Simon's home, not as a friendly gesture, but rather he was being set up in hopes that that Jesus would do something wrong, that they could catch him and criticize him for it. So no wonder Simon didn't display any of the normal hospitable gestures when Jesus arrived at his home. No water for his feet. He didn't greet him with a kiss. No oil for his head. Simon didn't extend any of those normal kindnesses that you would offer a guest in your home that, those days. Why? Because he wanted to catch doing something Catch Jesus doing something by which he could criticize him. That was Simon's perspective on Jesus. But here in our reading, we see that there is a completely different perspective. Melissa, I'm going the wrong direction. There we go. There's a completely different perspective by the woman who, we don't even know her name, is referred to as a woman who lived a sinful life. We know that, no doubt, she would not have been on Simon's guest list. So why was she there? To the best of our understanding, at some point, somewhere along the way, this woman must have heard Jesus teach or preach at some point. Maybe she was in a crowd of people one day as Jesus was teaching that crowd. Maybe she was standing outside the synagogue one day. She certainly wouldn't have been invited in. She was a woman who lived a sinful life. Maybe she was standing outside the synagogue one day as Jesus was preaching. Or maybe there was a one-on-one personal encounter that Jesus had with this this woman. We don't know how it may have happened, but she must have heard something from Jesus that made an impact on her life. Jesus' words didn't condone how she lived, but he also didn't criticize her with hateful speech like, like other people tend to do with her. Instead, he called her to repentance. His words convicted her heart. Jesus challenged her to change her life. He spoke forgiveness and hope and and an opportunity for a new beginning in her life. Whatever Jesus said to this woman not only made made an impact on her, but it prompted her to show a response. And that's why she came to Simon's house that day. And when she came, she didn't come empty-handed. She came carrying an alabaster jar of perfume. 
Now, we don't know how big that alabaster jar was, but, but if you look at a parallel story in John's gospel that tell us this story in that account, we're told there that Jesus was anointed with a pint of perfume. With that in mind, I'd like to suggest that we convert that pint into ounces, and in Luke's description here, we would have 16 ounces of perfume. Let's just say that there was as much as 16 ounces of perfume in that alabaster jar. Now picture for a moment one of those little perfume bottles that that might hold an ounce of perfume. With an ounce of perfume, you could likely get a hundred sprays of perfume. So if there's a hundred sprays that you can get out of an ounce of perfume, then there's 16 ounces of perfume. You could get 1,600 sprays. 1,600. In other words, the woman poured enough perfume on Jesus that day to equal perhaps 1,600 times more than a person would generally use wasn't just a drop, wasn't a single spray, it wasn't a little dab you'd throw on yourself on your way out the door in the morning. It was 1,600 times more. Isn't that extravagant? Isn't that incredibly generous? Compare the woman who offered this to Jesus to what Simon offered Jesus, and there's literally no comparison. The reason there's no comparison is because these two people had two completely different perspectives on how they saw Jesus. Simon was looking for a way to discredit Jesus. This woman was looking for a way to respond with thanksgiving to Jesus. Maybe it was for the forgiveness that she received from him. Maybe it was being freed from the guilt of her sin and and hearing Jesus say something that, that literally turned her life completely around. For all of that and more, this woman was there that day to express her thanks, and she did it with extravagant generosity. But when you think about that, actually, could there ever be a response that is too generous to offer Jesus? Could any response be too generous to offer Jesus for you, from you? For every sin in your life, for every wrong you've ever done, for every trespass you are guilty of, for every offense that has your name on it, for every person you've ever hurt, for every lie you've ever told, for all of that and more, Jesus poured out his blood for you. And not just a little blood, but every last ounce, every last ounce, with excruciating pain, with an agonizing death, 
Jesus poured out not just every ounce of his blood for you, but displayed every ounce of his love for you. And as he's done that, he offers you forgiveness. He renews your hope. He transforms your life. He gives you a a new beginning and a second chance and a fresh start every single day of your life. And he has prepared all of eternity for you. Doesn't that call for a generous response? I mentioned earlier that this fall we have been working our way through a sermon series on connecting people to Jesus. Tonight, I think we can talk about connecting people to Jesus that calls for generosity from us to Jesus and from us to each other. What kind of perspective do you have in life when it comes to Jesus in your life? Author and preacher John Ortberg shares the story of something that his grandmother taught him when he was a young child. Apparently, John and his grandmother loved to play the game of Monopoly. However, John says that every time they played that game, his grandmother always beat him. She had everything, and he had nothing. But at the end of the game, she would always say to him, John, someday I'll tell you what this game is really all about. One summer, there was a new family that moved in next to the Ortbergs, and John soon learned that his new little friend also loved to play Monopoly, and so every day that summer, every day, the two of them played the game because John wanted to be ready to beat his grandmother when she came to visit at the end of the summer. And sure enough, when she came to town later that summer, he won his first game. He says, finally, after all this time, it was one of the proudest moments in my life. I beat my grandmother. He had everything, and she had nothing. Now, he loved his grandmother, but he'd been waiting for this for a long time. John's grandmother let him enjoy his victory for a few moments, and then she said, John, let me tell you something about how to play this game. Let me teach you something about life. At the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. Everything you bought, everything you accumulated, everything you took away from somebody else, everything, at the end of the game, it all goes back in the box. The only thing that matters, she says, the only thing that matters is what Jesus has done for you in your life And what you have done with the message of Jesus to connect other people to him. John Ortberg says that what his grandmother said to him that day framed the perspective that he had in his life for the rest of his life. He learned that life isn't about how much you can get. But it's more about how much you can give quite a different perspective, don't you think? Let me ask you tonight, what's your perspective? 
What is your perspective on the extravagant generosity that Jesus has displayed to you in your life as he's given his life so that you would have eternal life? And what is your perspective on showing extravagant generosity back to him in response for all that he's given to you? Because as we think about that, in the end, it all goes back in the box, doesn't it? In Jesus' name, amen.